0: We'll generally focus on the actual parsha. That's, I believe, the idea here. But I would like to do each opening of each week is to learn a little bit of Hasidus. Okay? A little bit of Hasidus. There's a sefer here. It's called Tzidka Satsadik. It's a sefer written by Rabtzodek Hakoe Milublin. Rabtzodek Hakoe Milublin lived from 1823 till 1900. Um, he was known and still is quoted in his farm as one of the great Hasidic masters, um, tremendous thought and what I love about the Sefer, called Sidka Satzadik is that it's broken up into what's called Seifim. Each each point is a very short paragraph, literally three, four minutes, and it's it's really just food for thought about general areas of life. And um, before we start the weekly parsha you know, to to learn a little bit of that. And uh, this week's Parsha is Parshas Vayetze, just for those those wondering. And we'll get into Bez Hashem going through the Parsha. We'll try to, please, if you have questions, let's make it interactive. Um, If I see that it's getting a little too uh, interactive, sometimes you get bogged down by interaction. So then, uh, you know, I'll give try to use my own Seichel, and we'll move on from it. So just to introduce the very first idea in Tzidkas HaTzadik from Tzadik is the following. Sefa Aleph, number one, he says, "Rachis Knessas HaShem, when a person is entering to serve HaShem, we need to think about what entering means. It could be, mean a number of things. When a person enters to serve HaShem, it must be with haste with alacrity. Now what does it mean to enter to serve Hashem? To me personally, it's referring to those moments where you're getting back into your spiritual zone. We've kind of, sometimes, emotionally, we've exited our service of Hashem, you know, and then we want to re-enter that zone. You know, we're like, okay, like, Menachem, let's go back, you know, that space of time, that entrance into getting back into the zone of our relationship, um, the oneness, the living with Hashem, needs to be done in great haste. Now this is very, very interesting um, because the word is going to teach us is found when the Jewish nation ate the carbon Pesach, ate the Pesach offering in Egypt, the first time. We're in Egypt. We have the first mitzvah to do is to eat from the carbon Pesach. And the mitzvah was to eat it in great haste. Okay? Now, to eat something in great haste is not proper man. What do you do? Stuff your face? Shovel it into your mouth? What does it mean to eat in great haste? Actually, it didn't mean to eat it fast. Rather, the Jewish people had to be in a state of haste which the verse tells us how should they eat it in great haste. They should have their fanny packs on. They should have their shoes tied, their walking sticks, ready to leave Mitzrayim. That's what it means in great haste, meaning their their setup around the Karvan Pesach had to be an action of alacrity. The actual eating doesn't need to be eaten fast. So when a person enters a state, we'll call it a state of mind, a stage of life, it must be done with lack. now. Why is that? Why is that important? Why is it important? We always talk about baby steps. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same thing. Okay. It's the same thing, right? The reason is going to come out of this. Like we found by the carbon pesach and mitsrayim, that they were in great haste. But guess what? The Gemara tells us. After that first Pesach and Mitzrayim, are we supposed to be in great haste when we sit at the Pesach Seder? No. It's only that first time. Why is it that only the first time in Mitzrayim, there was this idea of alacrity, you know, motion prepared, and then for the rest of the generation, it's like, you know, you start preparing for Pesach two months before, you know? Already Hanukkah, people are getting nervous, right? (laughs) Not to, uh, if if you don't, take it easy, okay? Yeah, my mother's a bracha. would say anybody who spends more than four hours on Pesach cleaning outside the kitchen is spring cleaning, They're not Pesach cleaning. All right. Don't blame it on Pesach. That's what you would tell my sister. Stop blaming Pesach for your anxiety. It's four hours on Pesach outside the kitchen. not not the kitchen. Outside the kitchen, a total of four hours. That's it. Outside of that, it's your own fault. <laughs> don't don't blame this on God. All right. So what's the difference? says when you start something when you start something you need to remove the baggage that's weighing us down and when we remove baggage we're no longer locked in we're, we're not we're not um, we're not imprisoned we're not imprisoned by our actions Let's just talk outside. There's two parts to growth. There's to remove the evil. And then there's to do good. Which I'll immediately tie it to this week's Torah portion. The very first verse of this week's parsha is Yaakov left the Ershava. Va'yelach He went to a place called Haran. One of the biggest questions you'll you'll hear people asking on our parsha is, why doesn't the verse just say, Yakov harana? Yaakov went to Haran. If you went somewhere, we know you left the other place, right? You, don't, you can't be in two places at one time. At the same Yiddish, you can't dance at two weddings at the same time. Too much to do, right? As human beings, you can't be in two places at once. So why does it say that he left Be'er Sheva? We're going to discuss this at length, but to to give the initial idea, that, w- that is, in Yaakov of Hindu's life, there had to be a leaving first, and then a going. Sometimes people only go someplace because they're trying to get away from something else, and it's valid at times to do that. You have got to get away from this existence, so that's why I'm moving on. Other times. People move on, but they never leave. You know, you're still keeping everything with you. And the healthiest way to go about it is really to move forward, realizing what our history has done to spur what's moving forward. Not to ignore it, not to say, oh, so now it doesn't exist, but like, it, that, that's part of the reason why I've been able to move along, right? Okay? There's a Vayeyitse Yaakov mi Ber The verse is sending us, it's not just that Yaakov went to Haran, because then we're forgetting about what he had in Ber Shavah. So it says, Vayeyitse Yaakov mi Ber That is stage one. Vayela Harana, and he went to Haran. In the same vein where Tzadik Akain is telling us that for a person's growth, here's how it works. There's a sore Meirah. You need to turn from evil. What we'll call the, 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 the Shmutz. The grease that's on us. When we get inspired to remove the grease, that needs to be done with alacrity. Don't be concerned, oh, baby steps. No, if I'm doing, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z, or A, B, and C, that burst of inspiration should not be wasted on trying to take baby steps. That should actually be done, boom, do it. You know why? I said this other very interesting, and Rabbi Yusuf, friend, said this at the most previous uh, I start according this all the time because I realize how poignant this is in my own life. And he says, perfection is the enemy of good. What a profound statement. There are so many good things you don't do because you're trying to be perfect. You say, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing it. But then we're like, oh, but then what happens? Our mind says, eh, yeah, but you're going to have a problem. Yeah, what's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? So then you're, never gonna, you're not, you're not going to get, you're not, it's not that you're never going to get anything done. You're not going to get that done. Trying to be perfect is the enemy of just, if you have something good in front of us, go do it. That's what Tzalel is saying. Step one, sur around. the alacrity to, needs to be, just, just go do that. However, that's only the first Pesach in Mitzrayim, when we're ridding ourselves of Mitzrayim. What's Mitzrayim? Think about the root of the word Egypt, right? Mitzrayim is Egypt. It's tzara, tzara. We're familiar with tzara. The center word, Mitzrayim, is tzara. Why are Tsaras called Tsaras? What does it mean in Hebrew? You know what it means? Narrow. It doesn't mean pain. It means narrow. When we're in pain, we have a narrow mind. It's very hard to be expansive. It's very hard to think, to think more. When, when, when Noach Orlewik was just here over Shabbos, he, 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 he said something I never heard before, and I was like, hello? That is... I'm, I, I need to start doing that. He was talking to the guys, and he says, he says from from uh, Rav Shlomo Volba, his Rebbe. Volba says that a ben should not take Svarim with him when he travels. You heard him say, he said this, here. he says, don't, learn to be you, right? If we always have a book with us, so then we never learn to be us. Knowledge is not a bad thing, that's not what he's saying. It's not, it's not bad to learn Torah, it's not bad to read, it's not bad but there needs to be some times in our lives where we learn to be comfortable with me I'm comfortable with me why is this more so I was thinking why is it more important I'm learning tired and the, re, and the answer is and this is very simple and therefore it's deep because the simple things are deep okay the other stuff is mental gymnastics Mailech Bitterman says what does Hashem want from you? nothing Hashem wants you Hashem wants nothing from us Hashem wants us that's it, that's it. we need to know who we are to be with the revenge. now how do we know to be us? how can I be the truest individual that I am with, with who I am and with who we are, right? How, how can we be the truest form of me that ultimately is one with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the smartest and healthiest way? That is through looking in Hashem's Torah, which is the blueprint to tell us how to get to know who we are. That's the blueprint of the whole world. So it's not the purpose of life is to learn Torah. It's not the purpose of life is to do chesed. It's not the purpose of that. The pur- what Torah and chesed is, it just makes the world real. It makes the world, when we when we do kindness, when we do chesed, you know why we feel good when we do these things? Because like like our neshama is like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, right, that's me. Yeah, that's me. That, that, that's who I am as a Jew. I do chesed, I do mitzvahs, I do Torah. I do that. right? That's why I just feel so good, because it's letting us Really, be ourselves. So, to end this idea, and it's longer than three, four minutes. Well, we got onto the partial so I have an excuse. He says, once you learn that when there's an inspiration to get out of there, then take things slow. And that's why the first Pesach in Egypt, there was this symbol of alacrity, but afterwards, baby steps. Take your time. Take your time. When it comes to doing good, don't don't go too far. You know, for, for those who um, have the merit of Daviding marit at times. So there's a there's a blessing in marit called Hashkiveinu. Hashkiveinu, It's it's uh, it's the second blessing prior to Shmonesrei. Um, the second blessing following Shma, and in the blessing of Hashkiveinu, we say uh, a request to Hashem. The HaSer Satan, please remove Satan, Mofanenu, from in front of us, and from behind us. To, to remove Satan, who we'll say is the Tahara, right, from in front of us, we get that, because he's always trying to stop us. What do you mean remove Satan from behind me? He's behind me. He's behind me. I'm already past that. Right? I'm past that. I don't need to be busy with this. Yeah, I've with him. Okay. Right? So... The sages explain a beautiful idea. The the Satan's a lot smarter than us. Do you know what he does? Sometimes he's in front of us and he says, "Tumler, don't do the mitzvah, don't do it, don't do do the Lashon Haaretz, don't do this. He's in front of us getting in our way of moving forward. And then there's other times where he's like, you know what, I gotta change my strategy. You know what he does? He walks behind me, he puts his hand on my back and he goes, no, 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 keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, you fall off the cliff. Huh? No, keep going. Do that, do that, do that, do that. Then you're gone. You flew right out the window. I'm being so religious. I'm being so fruid. What do you mean? I'm doing this. There's a balance. There's a balance. There's a, there's a steadiness that we need to have in our lives. And, you know, as we get life experience, um, you know, hopefully we learn how to better balance each one of those things. But that's that's how he explains there's... Initial alacrity, their sword mayra. Remove that. That should be better. Then, but asay tov. It's important to take it, not to be, not to aim for perfection. But when something good goes good, grab it. Just go, 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 go. Slow and steady. Beautiful, uh, beautiful idea. Okay. Now let's get a little bit into Parshas by vayitzeh. Okay. So number one, let's read. We're up to chapter uh, twenty-eight, Ches, Tasuk Yud, verse 10. Yaakov leaves Be'er Sheba and And he goes to Haran. Okay? So, like we, we started out with, there's a leaving, there's a going. The Stipler Gong of Yaakov Yisrael Kanievsky, the father of Ibn Kanievsky, who many of us are familiar with. Um, he explains that really we as Abdi Hashem, people who are just striving our best to serve the um you know, I've quoted my. Uncle Yechiel the Yechiel Peh he's a uh, Reshiva of Yechiel my mother's oldest brother so when people ask him uh, he's, when he goes out amongst the general Jewish crowd they ask him what branch of Judaism is he affiliated with so he tells them under constructionist Judaism <laughs> he's under constructionist yeah <laughs> he's under construction he's learning to be an Abed you know that's that's really all it is you know what I mean? There's, no, there's really nothing else that's you know, that's uh, in existence. So I- in order to be under construction, which is who we are as, as individuals, right? That's really what, that's really the the only branch that really should be the true existence and really is, that's all we had at our scene. Imagine your stories like hey, will go, go do your best, <laughs> you know? Um, but the Stuypler-Gone points out that we need to, uh, um, we need to realize there's a there's a and a vayilah. Sometimes we stri- we strive to move ahead, but we are do- not willing to leave other things with it. And um, and each step really allows the other one to, to be fulfilled. But interestingly, you should know, and this is very important. I taught as Rosh Hashem have a child in yeshiva now, um, and you know I say for myself. Personally, when I was in yeshiva, sometimes you feel like you're in yeshiva. You're supposed to be learning fifteen hours a day, and then you hit a rut, right? And you're still maybe learning fifteen hours a day, but it just doesn't go. Sometimes our Judaism just gets stagnant. You know, we're not feeling it, and that was just a chore. And it's like, come on, you know, this is you know, this is not really not what I signed up for. So we have to realize that even by yatei, even just being in a environment of mitzvahs is also a high level. Sometimes we sell ourselves short because, we're like, oh, I'm not b'yiluk. Hey, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm not growing, and I'm not. You know something? Yeah. But look who, who, look who you're around. Look who the people you surround yourself with. Are, are you are you dealing with good people? They, even if you're not understanding everything in the parsha, understanding everything that you know, we didn't take advantage of every set opportunity, or we. You know, well, we did an right here, and we got upset here, and we did what, well, whatever. Still, as my buddy pair would say, we're still the best God has. You know, say what you want about the Jewish people, we're the best Hashem has. You know what I mean? It, that's, that's what the stifler says. Like, just the fact that we're vayyitzay, we're away from all that, is uh, is nothing to sneeze at. It's really nothing to sneeze at. So by vayyitzay. So so Yaakov leaves Bereshit and goes to he goes to Har. Okay. Um, Listen to this beautiful idea. The, um, Rabbi Sol Salam, the father of the Muslim movement, he asks, you know, Rashi points out here that Yaakov leaving Be'er Sheva is teaching us that the whole town was impacted. Rashi says, why are we mentioning that he left Be'er Sheva? To teach us. When a tzaddik, a righteous person, leaves a place, rosham, it leaves a negative impact. And you have it when a tzaddik walks away from a city; the city is negatively impacted. How so? be ear. When you have a tzaddik in a city, who ziva, he's its splendor, he's its grandeur, he's its icon. Right? You have a tzaddik in a yotzam and as soon as he leaves, pana hoda, that all leaves. Okay. And what does it mean that all leaves? So there's a beautiful. That's Rashi. I'm just, just reading Rashi. There's a on in the Chumash Makros Gedolos. There's a pirush. There's an explanation on Rashi called Sifsei Chachamim. Okay. The Sifsei Chachamim says, in what way is a city impacted by the loss of a tzaddik? Listen to this. It's so beautiful. Says the Sifsei Chachamim, the ear, While a tzaddik is in a city." Because when you're around a good person, everyone else is good. It's not just, ooh, we lost the tzaddik, so there was a certain spiritual thing that was there, and now that divine presence left with the... That might be true. It that says, that's not what's practical for me. What's practical for me is that the Torah teaching us when a tzaddik leaves the city, the standards get low because when it, you're around the tzaddik, guess what And I'll tell you when I'm around the tzaddik, I, I cover my forehead, I'm like dude just don't see him Like, don't, you know I'm like don't don't look, like you know I'm just trying to think Like, if you have x-ray vision here could you block two arms you know, like you know you, go hand, you get scared, right I don't know what he sees, what he doesn't see I'm like you know, I'm like sanitizing my neshama from like I'm just like oh yeah it's scary, it's like a frightening thing you know but we don't speak Russian hard in front of the Sabbath like that. We don't think about stupidity in, when we're in that presence. The Torah's giving us an important message, and that is look at Yaakov and recognize that we can be equal, that when others are around us, they realize the standard's different. There's different standard now. When I'm in the room, conversation is not for you. When you walk into a church that's not for your ears, that is such a wonderful, that is, that is so glorious. You know what that means? Baruch <laughs> Hashem. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, yeah, you don't talk like that around me, right? There's no Rosh horror when I'm here, there's no, you don't speak negatively about Jews, We don't, We don't speak, you know, there's, there's certain people when they're by around the water cooler in the, in the office, everybody else is careful about it. And this is the message of Ayutzeh Yachim Yerushava, says Rashi, so, 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 it's precious, Yaakov left the Esheba, what happened? Standards were Practical application is, this is who we need to strive to be. Uh, we have to strive to be people that when they are around, people know there are certain standards. When I'm around, there's a certain way that we talk, a certain way that we, we conduct ourselves. Beautiful, uh, beautiful idea. But, the Yisrael Salanter asks a very, what I would call a basic question on this is Yaakov Avinu. Right? He's the third of our forethought. Avram. Lach Right? You don't find the same message. Avram left his place and went somewhere else. What if Hashem says to Avram? Lach lacha me'artzacha me'latzacha me'zadzicha. Leave your birthplace. And go to Why is the message given specifically here by Yaakov and it's not mentioned by uh, by Avram Avinu? Yeah? This is Rabbi Salanter this question. Do you have any thoughts? Interesting question. Hmm? But tell you what he said. It doesn't mean there's no other answer. He's, he's not saying that this is the, you know, the Sol Salanter's. Right? He's going to pull a Mussar out of this. And he says that Avram Avinu was cheser. So of course everybody's going to feel it. But Yaakov was Torah. So we might think, okay, so Yaakov wasn't as uh, big of a Mechari as Avram Levine. He wasn't out amongst the people like Avram was. So maybe by Yaakov, it wouldn't have impacted the city. Says Sol Torah, the Torah is teaching us specifically by Yaakov because even such a person, the impact is felt, And this adds on to our personal message, by the way. We're going to say, listen, you know, I'm not the most popular. I'm not in a position. I'm a, who am I to, to be the one where, when I'm around, standards are different? Eh? I'm just a posh uh, you. I'm not a simple Jew. What do you want from me? Yaakov Avindo, obviously, wasn't a simple Jew. He wasn't a posh But he, he kept to himself, so to speak, a lot more than I did. And it was still felt. I think we'll know this in our own lives. We know people who they're not loud, they're not but when you see when you see them, that's enough. That's enough. And this is an additional idea for us to take, and that is we shouldn't think that this message is not for us because people aren't noticing. People notice. Even the quiet, so to speak, Yaakovino, at least at this point of his life. Right, he's just leaving his parents home for the first time. At this point of his life, he was, you know, learning from his father, and still he wasn't out there. But just having a Yaakov Avinu in the environment made different standards, and that applies to all of us. Just being a good, a, a good a truthful Jew—you know, trying, you know, being under construction and just trying our best—that has that, that, that has an impact. People people see that; it has an impact. And it's a, you know that responsibility is something that um, we know we can't really shirk. It's something that that applies to uh, to all of us. Um, okay. Fine. Any questions? About what we said so far? Yeah. Basically, what we just read so far is the pasuk with Rashi. That's you know, and I'm just sharing ideas that uh, others have have read in Rashi. But when you hear these. These pollution, these explanations. The reason why I am focusing on this specifically is because now, when you open up the Pesach and the Rashi, it's like oh my god, like, you know, it's like it's hard to get through. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's it's uh, it's really loaded. It's a loaded uh, loaded puzzle. Okay, let's go. Uh, let's go do another puzzle. Pesach Yud out. verse eleven. He encountered the place. It doesn't say he reached there. He encountered it. Rashi points out the land shrunk for him. Okay, It's called yeah, the land had shortened and he reached the, the place a lot sooner. And Yaakov slept in the place that he reached, which we know to be Har HaMariah, Mount Moriah, where the ultimately was revealed. Because the sun had set, Hashem caused the sun to set earlier. And he took the stones in plural we're familiar with this he took m- multiple stones there's a dispute how many either 2, 3 or 12 we'll get into why rabbis usually just don't sit on the back of a bus and decide to argue, it sounds funny right, it's like, because I know on every test if I do have an answer I just wrote Mach-lodes. I got partial credit because <laughs> you know it's that you know, it's like please explain no the explanation is, I know it, everything's a machloket. That's my, you know, that's my explanation, right? But they're, they're not just arguing because they're sitting in the back of the bus and like, hey, yeah, I'm just gonna argue. There's there's a, a reason why they have the they got the numbers two, three, and twelve. And he placed it under his head. Interesting, only under his head. And he laid down in that place. Okay. So we're familiar, the stones all became one. Many of us are familiar, right, he took multiple stones and then he went to sleep and he woke up in the morning and um, it all came together. Rev. Arnlieb Steinem says that originally, Look through Rashi over here and the other Rishonim. Yaakov placed the stones around his head, right? The verse tells us he put it around his head. Why did he put stones there? What was the purpose of what was the purpose of the stones? Um, so Rashi says, Shayare, he was afraid that they He was afraid of wild animals. No. You know I me? Mean? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You're afraid of while so you Do you take a couple of stones, you put it around your head, it's like hello, there's another entrance. <laughs> right? <laughs> there's no way to get in. <laughs> what, what what's the what, what's the whole idea over here? So he says a beautiful idea. He says that from the altar of Kelm. The altar of Kelm he says that the Torah is giving us a message in good versus perfection when it comes to particularly financial matters over here. And that is that a human being is never capable and therefore never expected to fully protect ourselves. You can't. It's simply beyond the capabilities of a human. We could do whatever we want to protect ourselves. Bottom line is we're not in charge. There's another way that can go in. And therefore, you can ask, why Says the author of Kalm, the Torah's giving us a message. If this was the amount of stones that he had, he put that around his head. Maybe he didn't have any more stones. Maybe that's the answer. You know what? So why doesn't he just say, so I won't use any stone. Forget the whole thing, forget about it. <laughs> Whatever it is. If I can't protect myself fully, I might as well do nothing. No, it's not that I might as well do nothing. It's the famous word, right? You do, you do what you can do, that's it. And then you're happy. I do what I can do. Everything else is, is out of our control. How, how beautifully has HaKadosh Baruch taught that to us over the past two years, right? <laughs> just do what you can do, that's it. Like the, there's, the, we're, we're, we're not in control at all. There's a fascinating, the Gemara and Roshana that we just did in Daph a couple of weeks ago, says uh, uh, something I never thought of I, 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 I it's actually I've learned the Gemara before but it's actually the tisvist, who's the grandson of Rashi asked this question and he points out that in the blessing of Esrei, we ask for healing we ask for healing he asked an interesting question why don't we ask to not get sick good point right we say God Baruch right, again. I'm not gonna say, maybe next week we'll uh, we'll touch on the next piece from the Sadek Kayan. He's a beautiful idea about how every bracha is structured. A beautiful uh, discussion on brachas. We'll get to next week. Uh, he says, he says you know why? Because that is complete.' We, we realize that illness, besides for someone who's getting dumb, is completely out of our control." That are, that's their abundance. What we can ask for is, Hashem, I know you have a plan. Whatever it is, please make it short and make a light. Quick healing. Get rid of this. That's what Passover says. Right? But why don't we just ask to never, to, th- that there shouldn't be illness at all? She's an important idea as a yid. And, and that is, we're, we're noticing, we're not in control of that. Of course a person can ask to never get sick. It's appropriate prayer, huh? Eh? But the is showing us, like, you're not in control of everything. They're, they're at a certain point, we're like, we just do what we can do, right? You do, that's it. You do, <laughs> you, you, um, and, and that's that's all the Avraham wanted. Yaakov Yaku, Avinu, what do you put around your head? Cause of wild animals, it? <laughs> right? Like we said, it's it's comical. No, it is comical. But that's all he had. See, you know, he did. Maybe there's one uh, one fox that'll, you know, that, that'll walk away. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's his idea. Um there's a dispute as we said, whether it's two stones, twelve stones, three stones. everybody ultimately is in agreement that all the stones connected. If you look at the verses, it says that he took the rock that he later on he took the rock that he laid his head on and um, and uh, he used it as you know to uh, It was a miracle that all the rocks became one. Why did they become one? Because they were all fighting. Let the Tzaddik put his head underneath me. Okay? They were all fighting. So, the Chaim Salavechik asks, once there's a miracle that's happening, once a miracle is taking place, so that all those stones are coming together under Yaakov Avinu's head, why didn't cut this just make them one big giant marshmallow? Make it a soft, cozy pillow. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're doing miracles and you're going to start messing around with the stones, eh? make it comfortable. Yeah. Give him a good night's sleep. Right. What does he have to, uh, what does he have to uh, lay on a hard rock for? And says you Chaim because as great as it was, supposedly, as great as it was that all the rocks wanted to be under his head, and they had the z'chus, the merit, because they wanted to serve the tzaddik, they all merited to be under his head, they still only became one through an argument, and when there's a machlokas, didn't it ain't not create Nothing soft when there's a machlokas. Even when, here's what's so profound, even when HaKadosh Baruch was involved in creating the merit, Baruch was like, well, yeah, it's a big z'chus. Everybody wants, everybody wants but it's still coming about through division. There still is not a meeting of minds on this. You all have the same point, so you're going to get something good. But to say that it's going to be soft, it ain't going to be soft. It's not going to be soft. It's never soft, as as we we've, uh, we've quoted and maybe um, a Yeah, we've quoted in in Ms. Um, Marlowe is from Tehillim. A lot of people are accustomed to saying, Mizmar Lidah, right? al So, towards the end of Mizmar Lidah, there's a verse that we say. We've shared this a number of times. "Gavra Malach <laughs> says, Ach tovah chesed, Yerdefuni, Kahye May Only kindness and good. Chase me all the days of my life. Listen, there's only time to chase all the days of my life. The commentaries say something so important. And that is, there's always going to be things chasing us out. Always. Whether it's somebody annoying, somebody running, giving us a head, whatever. Life's not meant to just sit there on the couch and have nothing going on. There's always going to be something. It could be a, a phone bill. Something pursuing me. You know what I mean? There's something coming after me says, such a beautiful and profound thought. I think, Barucho, I know life ain't going to be deserted. But if there's going to be things that chase me, let it be because of my tov and my tov. May only my goodness and my kindness chase me. If people are going to be angry at me, let them be angry because I only give them $18 instead of $25. If people are going to be angry at me, let them be angry because I did them a chaser and then they turned around to go. I know that's gonna happen in my life. It's happened to all of us. You do for somebody, you do for somebody, you do, for, you do chaser, you do tov, you do good, and what happens? That it, it comes back to haunt you, sometimes shorter, sometimes longer, but it happens. And the other says, I know. I know there's gonna, be life, I know life ain't charity, but at least let it be my type and chaser. At least let it be my goodness. It came about through a good thing that I did or at least I tried to do, right? that, that is not that a beautiful tefillah? It's a beautiful But let, let my goodness and, my, and, and the chesed that came about through me, let that be at least what pursues me, and not my bad actions, not that it comes about through, um, through something negative um, that was performed. Okay. Um, we got through the first two psukim. We're at 1.30. Uh, so uh, we'll all be here for today, and we will uh, pick up with the next parsha next week.